0: So, Dan, thank you very much for joining me here. I've been really looking forward to this moment. Um, Let's start by asking you, why did you get into this world? What was it about the design world that attracted you in the first place?
1: Well, it's quite a weird story, actually, because I don't think I really knew what graphic design was when I first started out. Um, I do remember my tutor, Brian Campbell, who's actually quite a famous painter back in Cumbria. He was my teacher. Uh, when I was at school, and I was really into art and and really passionate about it. I spent most of my breaks drawing, Um, and I remember Brian Campbell saying, you're probably going to be a graphic designer, and I think I just followed the path from that point on. Um, When
0: you said that, did you sort of think, what's a graphic designer?
1: Yeah, literally, I I didn't really know it. Um, I think what what happens is typically most uh, designers go through this process of trying to work out Maybe I'm speaking for myself here, but that whether they're going to be an architect or they're going to be a designer, they know they want to do something to do creativeness, creativity, and something create something beautiful. But when you actually start to look into it, there's a seven-year course to be an architect, and you could be a designer in three. And at the time, there's people like Peter Saville on the scene who do incredible design work, and they were sort of like rock stars of the art world, I guess. And it, it, it was that sort of uh, when I when I was became aware of what graphic design was. It was it was seeing that. Um, that opportunity to to do something really creative and be respected for it, I guess.
0: What do you think are the are the sort of key components of a of a good graphic designer? I mean, it, is it just about being able to draw, or do you have to do you have to have that sense of do you have to have that sort of almost sixth sense of something else that you know you know how to design stuff, or is it both? I mean, what? How would you could you name the top three things you need to be able to do? Yeah I mean I think
1: one of the forgotten things has been having a big idea. There's a lot of agencies that have, have built their reputation on aesthetics which is obviously very important but for us it's always been about having the big idea first and aesthetic follows but the aesthetic is actually quite tertiary to understanding the client's brief. So first of all understanding the brief secondary would be uh, having the big idea associated to that brief and then the aesthetics always comes last a lot of designers think that aesthetics are first but they're very rarely successful through that
0: and could you give me an example of where that's worked in practice maybe from you know from uh, your early part of your career where you sort of kind of you know this stuff you realized that this stuff was true and you know, and, and you made that happen for a client, and, th- and how that felt.
1: Yeah, there's, there's quite a good recollection of uh, Orange, uh, if everyone remembers Orange, which is now EE. Uh, when I worked at a company called Navy Blue, because uh, obviously I only worked with people that had colours in their names, and we did one of their big call centres in Newcastle. The first one we did had quite a significant budget to it, and had loads of really big ideas of rolling clouds being projected on the ceilings which was quite a boring job it was literally one of those hands up before you could go to the loo type places but the ambition by Orange at that time was to make somewhere that was a great place to work so we were very involved in that and um, came up with wonderful ideas for how their meeting rooms should be designed and spent uh, a lot of time a lot of money on making that amazing um, so that was the first building they did at the time was an Orange customer as well um, so I used to Get on the phone, and whenever I was following the call center, I'd say, uh, So, are you in uh, T1, which was the building we designed? And they're like, oh, yeah, yeah, we well, yeah, well, yeah, that's me, like Pet. And um, and we'd, uh, we'd have a chat for a bit, and they'd say, Oh, I'd love it, and I love this meeting room, and I love that. And uh, it was really nice to hear. And then we came to design T2, which was the second building. T two, the budget just rapidly shrank and shrank and shrank till it was about ten grand, and I think we ended up with like words like "hello" and "work harder" on the walls. Uh, and <laughs> lo and behold, a few months down the line, I uh, made that that call to to pay my bill late, as I probably did as a young designer. Uh, I used the fateful words, "Oh, what building are you in? Because I designed the interiors there, um, and it was from T two, and they were like, "Great, thanks very much." And it was the most downtrodden, unhappy voice I'd ever heard. And that made me realise how important the work we did could be.
0: Obviously, the, you know, that exemplifies how important this stuff is. But I wonder if there's another side to graphic design. And I kind of want to challenge you a bit here, so, so forgive me. But if the we see, I don't know if you watch the BBC show W1... Uh, yes, you know, with, with yeah, the thing. Yeah. and they had all these meeting rooms, you know, sort of Laurel and Hardy room or whatever, you know, yeah. that sort of thing. And it, and they, obviously they were taking the piss. And I, I don't know if those rooms really exist, but but is there a danger that you that a that a designer could get carried away and and that it becomes yeah. more about them and their brilliant creativity rather than the people that actually have to work there?
1: Absolutely, and it happens all the time. I think um, um, both designers and architects are very guilty of this. We often forget about the people involved. Um, Which is uh, something you've obviously got to be very aware of, and I think um, uh, when I started out in my career, I was probably very guilty of that myself, where you're looking to improve your portfolio of work rather than look for your end client's results, and most successful agencies, the ones that have lasted over the years, are the ones that have recognised that there is a mixture of the two. I think it's really important that we push our clients, but... To uh, yeah, to to sort of get carried away in the creativity, you know, you can push sometimes in the wrong places, and I think it's understanding the brief first. And quite often, frankly, the client briefs are often wrong. Uh, and as a designer, and certainly an experienced person, you should be challenging what that brief really should be. You know, I mean, an extreme example might be that someone might come to us asking for an app. Um, When often that's not the right vehicle for what they need, so we'll challenge them on why that's there and it might end up being something completely different, might be something that we'd recommend they go and see somebody else about. But yeah, uh, it's a very easy trap to fall down.
0: I I wonder with the, uh, talking of falling down traps, I, I, I read an article somewhere or I saw a picture somewhere of somebody's office, it was one of the tech firm's offices, and there was a slide in the office you know which, which obviously you could slide from one floor to the other I'm not sure how you...
1: <laughs> I think it was Google yeah was it Google was yeah. it? And,
0: and I'm not sure how you get back up perhaps you perhaps the stairs or something <laughs> mundane like that or a lift but um but I is that is that an example of, of a designer going a bit too far do you think or, or, or do you think that was kind of driven by the staff and the requirements because it seems a bit frivolous <laughs>
1: Yeah, I I think things like that are quite frivolous, actually. Um, But respect to Google, though. Google were the company that kicked off the workspace change. Um, Simon Sinek, uh, the guy who wrote the uh, Start With Why book and so on, he did a really interesting piece on millennials. Uh, And his point was, we didn't know what to do with millennials because they came into the workspace saying, we don't want this, we're not going to work like that, we're going to do this. And... We asked them what they wanted and they said beanbags and a slide and that's what we gave them and it wasn't actually what they really wanted. But my girlfriend worked at Warner Music for a while and um, they had their offices redesigned by a very good architect firm and a very good designer and she had a swing put right next to her desk and... That was the swing that everyone chose to sit on and do their phone calls, which distracted her hugely from her
0: day-to-day work. <laughs>
1: so I'm not sure if slides and swings are really right for the
0: workplace. So, Dan, you're, you're, you're going to write a book about this stuff. It's, yeah. it's going to be called Spacecraft. Great title, by the way. And there's also going to be a podcast series accompanying this, interviewing some people that have been involved in this world and, and coming from all sorts of areas where there are some interesting office designs. So tell me a little bit about that. What, what, are, you, what are you hoping to get from these interviews?
1: We've been working in the industry, uh, I mean, we've been a branding engine for 15 years, but the, the stuff that's really excited over the last five or four years uh, has been the interior branding work. Partly because I'm passionate about architecture, partly because I'm passionate about design, but I'm really more passionate about what the two can do when they're combined. Uh, but because it's a relatively new area, there's very little quantifiable uh, information to, to demonstrate how design can impact on productivity, on work happiness, on uh, um, staff retention and so on. And I'm really interested in digging into this. I don't want to be doing, uh, as we talked about earlier, I don't want to be doing fanciful, beautiful design for the sake of design. I want design to make an impact, as we all know it does. You know, It's the thing that makes us go and buy the new iPhone. Uh, It's the thing that makes us happy when we go to our own homes. We are desperate to try and create that in workplace. And I think the one thing I do respect uh, the millennial workforce for doing is transforming the workspace from what was not much more than the old sort of cotton mills where you'd go in, you'd have a very pyramid environment where the, where the bosses at the top and everyone worked down and their little sort of uh, hive-like booths. Um, the workplace has massively changed. And because it's changing so rapidly, I think we need to keep a, an eye on whether it's going in the right direction uh, and whether, uh, whether we should be um, paying attention to how we design the workspaces to make sure that the impacts go in the right way.
0: Dan, thank you very much for that. I'm really looking forward to hearing these podcasts and reading the book as well when that comes out. So thank you very much for talking to us.